You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. If you asked most of us as actors, Miata, how much money will you invest in your acting business in 2020? How many of us could answer that with a thought-out plan? Well, hello and welcome to the very first episode of Why I'll Never Make It for the year 2020. This podcast features insightful stories and conversations with fellow artists on the realities of a career in the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and to get in touch with me and listen to other episodes of Why I'll Never Make It, or Win Me for short, you can go to the website, winmepodcast.com. Well, as you could hear from that very first opening audio clip from Miata Adoga, my guest today, we're going to be talking about finance. She is a film and TV actress herself, but several years ago began a group called Abundance Bound. And she now coaches and mentors people how to best handle their money, how to deal with their finances, not only on paper and the numbers game of it, but also deal with it mentally and emotionally. Because so much of what we do financially affects not only our career, it affects our life, it affects our emotions and how we handle the day. But it isn't just us actors as individuals that are affected by finances, organizations, groups, and even festivals like the New York Musical Festival are affected by finances. It was just announced at the beginning of this year that the New York Musical Festival is actually closing down after 15 years of operation. And the board of directors for NIMF, as it's known, released a statement. It is with a heavy heart that we face the reality of the arts funding crisis in the United States. It has caught up with NIMF. The board and donors have been valiantly subsidizing NIMF operations for 15 years, but looking ahead, we do not see a clear path forward. And it's so tragic, not only for us actors, because now there's one less thing to audition for, there's one less festival to bring about new musical works. It's such a shame that this organization, this festival, that has produced more than 400 shows since it premiered in 2004, it's also been a home to 8,000 artists and over 300,000 audience members that have enjoyed these productions. And while NIMP is a small festival, It also has produced such notable titles as Next to Normal, Title of Show, Chaplin, In Transit, and Altar Boys, all of which have had major productions in New York, both on Broadway and off. So if a festival like that, with such a storied history, with so many great and wonderful productions, and the popularity of that festival, if something like that can fall then of course we as individuals, we as creatives, often have an uphill battle when it comes to our finances and making sure that we stay on top of it and are able to afford not only this career, but afford all the necessities of our life. And that's what Miata Adoga and I are going to be talking about today. She has some wonderful insights, not only about the numbers of money, but its concepts and how we think about money and how that affects us as individuals and as artists. All right, Miata, thank you so much for joining me from Los Angeles. 
Thank you for having me. (laughs) It is uh, so wonderful to not only talk to a, a fellow actor, but someone who appreciates and has a I would say a healthy relationship with finance. I think that's something that all of us actors, at one point in time, we have very much of a love-hate relationship with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's almost funny to me, Patrick, to have you introduce me as someone who has a great relationship with money. That absolutely was not the case. I mean, really painfully not the case. So um, it just shows you that we can all get there. Exactly. I know that for a lot of us, there are those times where we're in a good contract, we're making money, and then there are times where it's really not going so well. You know, when, when the finances aren't what they should be, or they're out of control or lacking in some way. And was there a, a particular moment for you that stands out as kind of the, the rock bottom, shall we say, of that for you? Oh, yeah. So um, it it was a very, very painful and memorable rock bottom for me. And basically what happened was just that I was so financially desperate and struggling. And I was working actually, believe it or not, Patrick, I was working 10 part-time jobs at the same time. Oh, I know. And that was before Uber and Lyft and TaskRabbit. So goodness knows what I could have had going on today, right? Um, But I was also doing a play. Um, I was doing a play at one of the Civic Light Operas here in Los Angeles. And basically, to make a long story very short, I had to work the morning shift at a restaurant. And I was supposed to get to the theater at 12.30 for a 1. It was a 12.30 call time for a 1 p.m. matinee curtain. And because of the job, I actually came incredibly close to missing the curtain. Like I got to the theater eight minutes before curtain. Um, And it really, I mean, I think it led to a little bit of a nervous breakdown at the time, but it also was my awakening, as it were, that my financial life wasn't working because it was because I was so desperate to, to keep that job and the money from the job that I ended up almost almost missing an actual show with an audience. So Now, what was it that led you to have this many part-time jobs? Were you trying to make money? Is, is it that the acting part wasn't taking off and so you had to do other things? Yeah, yeah. And it's a big part of what focuses um, my teaching in that I needed to make money. Now, that's pretty much true for all of us, right? We have to make money in order to survive and in order to sustain our lives as human beings, but also as artists. But the thing was, was that I, so I wasn't earning enough money acting. And the thing was, was that I had no clarity about my financial situation beyond the fact that I wanted to to stay flexible, right? I wanted to stay flexible in order to pursue my, my acting career. But that can have a really big and significant backlash because in trying to stay flexible, it meant that I actually ended up with a whole ton of bit jobs, right? Um, none of which added up to the total amount of money that I actually needed on a monthly basis. And then because of all those part-time jobs, then you don't have the time. Right. To <laughs> you, you don't have the time and you do not have the energy, right? So when you're bartending and waiting tables and babysitting and walking dogs and I was answering phones and I had a part-time job at Starbucks and I mean, I had a really full roster. You're driving from job to job. The schedules are always changing. Um, You know, I was also tutoring for the SATs and I had to drive to every client and they would cancel. It, it, meant that in trying to stay flexible, I actually buried myself. Wow. I mean, it does sound overwhelming. And I think that a lot of us can relate to the fact that when there isn't that money, when there's not that financial security underneath us, it definitely affects then our performing career as well. Oh, absolutely. I think we're kidding ourselves if we 
don't recognize that we're bringing that desperation into the room with us. I can remember once leaving a commercial audition and I was driving home from the commercial audition and I suddenly burst into tears. And the reason I burst into tears is because I realized that the whole way to the audition, I had been thinking honestly about what I would do with the money if I booked it. And that realization that that was what my mind was full of, that was what my energy was about, was really startling. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because I, I can certainly relate to that right now. Uh, I'm on a contract for Norwegian Cruise Line. It's, it's actually paying me very well, which is also wonderful. But I'm eight months out of the city. I'm eight months away from my husband. So that there's also some downsides to it. But I will admit the number one reason I'm taking it is for financial reasons, because I needed to build up a savings that, had, that has been gone over the last you know year or two. And really to kind of get back to some financial stability, I'm taking this job. And so yeah. I, th I think a lot of us have actors have to balance that. It's like, well, I want to be creative and I want to be flexible, as you were saying, but I also just need some money in the bank. Yeah. And you need to be able to sustain. I mean, you said something earlier that I just wanted to note, which is you said when, when you were talking about our relationship with money, you said we have this kind of love-hate thing. Sometimes we book gigs and we've got a lot coming in and other times things are slow. And the biggest thing I want to point out about that is that our relationship with money cannot be tied to how much we're earning, mm. right? In other words, we, have, we need to work to develop a strong and thriving relationship that is able to be a strong relationship through all of the ups and downs. I mean, you and I are both married. And so when you think about your partner, right, it's not always sunshine and stars and roses, right? But is the relationship strong? You wouldn't say, oh, I fought with my husband yesterday, so our relationship is down here, you know, in the pits. Whereas, oh, we went on a wonderful trip and our relationship is fabulous. No, we recognize our relationship is strong, although it may be going through some rocky periods, right? And that's the way we have to look at our financial relationship as well. And also the balance. So when I hear you talk about your contract with Norwegian, what, yes, there is sacrifice now, right? But the gain of that, the biggest thing you said was put away some savings, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're balancing is the ability to then return and really focus for a period of time with fewer interruptions. So that's what we're always figuring out. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about that. And I think that this applies to our acting job as well. It's going to have that same up and down. And whether we're just auditioning and not booking anything or whether we have you know, a Broadway show, our relationship to us as artists, as performers, needs to be the same as well. Right. Absolutely. When we tie our relationships mm. to results, it gets really, really dangerous because our results are always going to sometimes be good, sometimes be not so good, sometimes just be, you know, in the middle. The relationship can't be tied to that. So that leads me to my next question. My longest bout of unemployment was 11 months. And then conversely, my longest contract was 18 months. So both were fairly substantial long-term uh, times of being either unemployed or being in a show. Now, what can we as artists do to prepare for those eventualities and have the same relationship with both events in our lives? Yeah, so certainly... I'm never going to sit here and pretend that it's easy, right? Mm -mm. Or that there's a simple answer to that. But this is what I believe. I believe we chose careers that have periods of working and sometimes long periods of not working. And I think the first and most important thing is truly acknowledging and owning 
that we chose that, right? So we all have friends. Uh, you know, I can list uh, uh, my friends who have the kind of everyday job career, right? They, they go every Monday morning, they finish every Friday afternoon, they work 40 hours a week, they maybe get a couple weeks vacation, right? We all know people like that. And you and I, and probably lots of the listeners of this podcast, can look at that and be like, no, thank you, right? <laughs> like, yuck, right? We can list all the reasons why that is not what we chose, okay? Right. So we're clear on all the cons of that kind of job. For us, we're clear on like why that's not what we wanted. But if we're honest, can we agree? There are some pros, right? Those friends, they probably have benefits that they don't have to earn every year, right? Those two weeks of vacation are probably paid. <laughs> I mean, you just got back from Montreal. Did you get paid while you were in Montreal, the, right? No, I was but, paying to be there. <laughs> Exactly, right? So can you even imagine two weeks paid vacation every year, right? There's a structure and a guarantee to their cash flow every week or every two weeks. A check comes, they know how much it's going to be. They also don't have a lot of other expenses. I mean, sure, they got to pay for their rent or mortgage and they got to pay for their food, but they don't have to pay to build their careers. Right. So those are all the pros. And sometimes what I feel like is we are really good at looking at the cons of those kinds of jobs and the pros of the creative careers we've chosen for you and I specifically acting, right? So we look at the pros of acting and all the reasons why we chose it, but we're not necessarily willing to fully own and embrace the cons. Mm. So I say that as sort of a long answer to the topic that you raised, because I think we have to know this career will always be a roller coaster. Always. Like, there is not a single performer that you could name where if you pull back far enough, their career does not have ups and downs. So you said your longest contract was, I think you said, 18 months. Right. Your longest period of unemployment was 11 months. And so the biggest question for us is, what are we willing to do during those periods of employment, given that it is an absolute fact we will have periods of unemployment, right? So I really say the first thing is, when we are earning, we have to be living significantly below what we're earning. That's just, again, one of the factors. Now, are we always going to be able to be ready for 11 months of unemployment? That really depends on what employment amounts look like for each actor, right? But that's then where we have to look at okay, how much do I save while I'm employed? And what else am I willing to do in order to supplement my earnings? Hmm. So during those periods, when you come back from Norwegian, will the goal be to not work at all outside of acting? I mean, I'm just using you as an example. Would the goal be to not work at all? That would be one choice, right? Another choice would be to say, I will work very part-time, very part-time, right, at something in addition to acting. Because what that then does is it stretches out the Norwegian money. So the Norwegian savings, if the Norwegian savings buys you eight months without working at all, could it buy you 16 months if you were willing to do part-time work to supplement your acting, right? right? Those sort of become the questions that we have to answer. But really where my work comes in with people is in getting 
incredibly clear about our numbers because from clarity, we can make choices and we always get to make those choices. No one ever gets to take that away from me or you about what's the right thing to do. There's no right or wrong. It's about knowing what the choices are that you're making, how they affect your bottom line. Because as you were getting into performing, did you have that support where people trying to tell you, this is good, this is not good, you know, you should be doing this job instead? Oh, yeah. So I, you know, I'm the first generation in this country. My um, father is Nigerian, my mother Panamanian. And my parents um, both grew up with the kind of poverty that hopefully none of us, you know, will ever experience. Mm. And they came to this country and, you know, they worked incredibly hard and my father became a surgeon and my mother actually became an attorney, right? So pretty incredible stories. Um, and, and I have such gratitude to them. And they really raised me in a couple of ways. So one way was if I wasn't suffering, I wasn't working hard enough to be successful. That was definitely one of their belief systems, right? But it makes sense for them, obviously, that had been their truth. So I really did grow up believing and I entered my working phase believing that suffering was virtuous. But I also grew up really in, the, in a household where your two career options were medicine or law, right? Maybe, maybe investment banking, possibly, but, but pretty much medicine or law. So my parents struggled for a really, really long time with my choices. And when they would see me waiting tables or they would see me Um, being an assistant, answering phones, they really felt like, what are you doing with your college degree? What are you doing with, you know, your intelligence? Mm. And that was, that was hard. That was hard. That is something that must be really hard, especially for parents, but, but, but anyone who's like, who cares about us is that our profession is one that is very sporadic, as we know, but it's one that isn't able to really highlight the career that we've chosen. At any given moment, you can look at us and be like, you say you're an actor, but you're serving coffee at Starbucks. Like, what, like how, how, how are these two the same? I truly believe that it's a societal problem, right? I think that these are belief systems that we really, it is important that we culturally work to shift because it is actually not true in many, many cases, that the doctor or lawyer is now set, right? There are plenty, we can all find, especially in this new economy, we can all find examples of people who I'm sure their parents believed that they were doing all the right things and they don't have security, right? Or they can no longer afford, afford their malpractice insurance as doctors, given what they're earning after insurance costs and all of that stuff. But you are absolutely right that we don't ask the doctor, oh, well, who was the last person you operated on? Or, you know, <laughs> do I know anyone that you've uh, seen lately in your office, Right. right? We don't do that. We don't ask the lawyer, what was the last case you did? Did you win? Right. But with the actor, it's automatically, what have I seen you in? And I believe that as actors, we have to stay extremely strong. It takes practice. When someone asks me what I do, my answer is, I am an actor. I am also a business owner, I'm a mom, I'm a creative, I'm a reader, I'm a, I can be all of those things. But you don't get to take acting away from me if I happen to not be working at any particular time. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, there's so much strength when it comes to being an actor, not just, you know, in dealing with rejection and auditions and that kind of thing. But then there are those people and those eyes that are on us that are 
looking at us and not seeing the truth of what we say we are. So it, it does take strength to really stand stand up to that and own it, regardless of the the five coffees you just served. <laughs> you know, you're 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 still yeah. an actor. This is just what I'm doing right now. But you know, I have an audition tomorrow or the next day. You know, right. And I'm sure you saw, I mean, for me, this was such a powerful story, the story about Jeffrey Owens, who um, was working at Trader Joe's and some of those nasty articles were written about him. And for me, Jeffrey Owens stands as such a clear and strong example of emotional intelligence as an actor as an artist, because Jeffrey Owens has no problem saying, do I want to work at Trader Joe's? No, not because there's any shame in working at Trader Joe's, but Mm -hmm. because my calling, it's not my calling, I'm not called to work at Trader Joe's. So do I want to? No, but I will. I will work at Trader Joe's or at any other job to support my calling, to support the choices that I've made in my life. And his ability to stand in that strength and with that courage and to take that job, knowing that there would be people who would see him, he has had a career that is enviable by any standards. And yes, that does not mean that he is making a livable wage. Right. I've worked for, my very first job was $150 a week, you know, but I, I've, I've also done jobs where it's 2000 a week and, and right. everything in between. And, and everything in between. Right, right. You'd never know what it's going to be. And I've, I've had immense joy and pleasure working for $300 a week. And I've kind of just kind of puttered along at $1,500 a week. It, it, you know, the, the money while... Yes, that can seem glamorous, or maybe it's more high profile. The joy that comes from the work is rarely tied to the paycheck that comes with it. Right. And the minute we tie it to the paycheck, I think it it tends to become the road to sort of a lot of pain. Because I will work with clients who will book a job that is so exciting working with industry leaders and just incredible opportunities. And then they are crushed when they get the actual paycheck, right? Once the agent fees and the manager fees and the taxes have been taken out. And I think it's because of the way that we work and then don't work, there can be, it can be easy to slip into feeling like this job, this opportunity is going to fix all of my financial problems. And so we put such a heavy burden on our art and that ends up, I think, being quite painful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as a financial counselor, what would you say is that the the most common theme of the people that that come to see you? I think the most common theme of the people who come to work with me and with Abundance Bound is that lack of clarity around the reality of their financial situation. Mm. So I think that inherently becomes the biggest question. In other words, many, many artists, actors, I think if, if asked the question, how much money on average do you spend every month? Most could not answer that question accurately, right? And that is a critical question to be able to have financial stability. We have to know what that number is. I ended up with 10 jobs because I knew I didn't have enough money. That's not enough clarity, right? Because then you just are grabbing at financial opportunities. I needed to know how much money was enough money, truly and honestly, not what I wanted it to be, what was it actually? Yeah, I was reading and this one financial advisor broke it down into basically our life minimum wage. What do I need to make per hour in order for my life 
to sustain itself financially. Right. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, right, at the end of the day, whatever amount of money I'm spending, that is the amount of money that I have to figure out how to earn. I wish that there was a magical solution. But if there's an imbalance, I either have to spend less or I have to earn more. And so what I focus us on first is how much we're spending. Because if we have total clarity around that, then we can really look at, am I willing and or able to make any changes in that area, right? Because once I've made all the changes I am willing or able to make, then I have to figure out how consistently to make that amount of money. Hmm. Yeah. In breaking it down to that kind of life minimum wage that we need, then we can look at, all right, well, I need to be making $800 a week to get by. And so if this acting job is going to only pay me 600 well, then I need to do something part-time or whatever to, to make up the 200 And And so right. if, but if I get a job that's $1,000 a week, I can maybe take a break that month or two months and not do part-time work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really, with that level of specificity, looking at how much time it gives you, right? Because some of us will say, I am, I'm going to go work at this job for eight months, and then I'm going to take eight months to 100% focus on my career. And that may be a choice that, that sits well with you. Whereas another person may say, I'm going to go work for that eight months, but then I want to make that last longer. So then I'm going to work part time because that will then buy me 16 months, right? So all of us are different in terms of like our comfort level and what allows us to live our most powerful lives. And so in finding that comfort level for each of us, what would you say are the two or three things that you try to impart upon those that work with you financially? Like, like, like what, are, what are some actionable steps that we all can take? So the first thing is absolutely being willing to find your financial baseline, right? So to really figure out what is your starting point right now, right? Not what you want it to be. What is it actually, right? So all those years ago, I had to look at the fact that I was actually upside down every month. And in, in other words, spending more than I was earning by an average of about a thousand dollars a month. So that had resulted in, again, by my rock bottom, by the time I really hit rock bottom, almost $80,000 in credit card debt. Oh. Okay? So, that, that, I'm just kidding, Patrick oh, hard. It does. It's just like, you know, I mean, hearing something like that just makes me collapse inside because yeah. I, I, I can't imagine the weight and the burden of that. And this is a lot of years later. And when you put it as weight, I can almost feel it. Like I can almost feel that weight, right? Because it was, and it was, it was crushing me. And I think that that is true for so many actors. And it is something that it's why I am so passionate about it, because it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. And so we have to first be willing to get clear, okay? Even through, I can't do the sound effect you did, but even through those like gut-wrenching moments of how much debt? $80,000. How much are you overspending or under-earning every month? $1,000. How much, Miata, are you spending on restaurants every month what that's how much you're spending like we have to be willing to do that right mm. if i could and i always say this to my students if i could i would have them trade so like you would look at my numbers and i would look at your numbers because 
if I'm figuring out your numbers, I'm not remotely stressed out about your numbers, right? <laughs> and in fact, I'm kind of curious, right, about what it is you're up to. And you're going to be the same with me. Oh, I want to see how much Miata spends at Target, right? And so if I could, we would do that because then we'd have emotional separation from it. That's the toughest piece is that I always say we have to be willing to put on our detective hats and take off our judge hats because this is the place where there's going to be, you have to fight shame and you have to really say, I have done the best I could with the information that I had. And now I'm willing to show up as someone who's going to get more knowledge so that I can do better. And so the first step for everyone, for all the listeners is to figure out your baseline. And what that means is that we've got to figure out the average of what you spend every month. Okay, so what they can do is um, totally free on the website, on the Abundance Bound website, they can get a list of categories and expenses, right? And I suggest that you take that list and it's like I've tried to come up with every possible category that could apply in your life. So they're not all going to apply, right? And so you're going to go through the list and you're just going to cross out all the categories that do not apply to you. But then the categories that do apply, we've got to figure out what the average has been of what you're spending, right? So the way that I suggest that people do that is be willing to look at the last six months. So for instance, I would add up every penny I have spent on groceries over the last six months and then I would divide that by six, and that's my average grocery number. So I need to do that for all of my categories, and I can't make up numbers. That's one of the things that we do, right? We say, oh, I'm going to make a budget, and then we say, um, how much for groceries? And then we just make something up, right? We just <laughs> pull a number out of the air, and we say, that sounds good. It has to be based on what is so for me. Right? right? What in your household is spent on groceries every month is going to be different from my household, from a single person's household. So everybody has to figure those things out. And we also have to be willing to look at the things like, how much are we spending on our careers? So if I'm someone who gets new headshots every year, I need to add up how much do I spend every time I get headshots? The photographer and the makeup artist and the new blouse or two and the prints that I get and then replacing my images on all the social, all the um, sites that we have to be on and all of that stuff. I need to add all of that up. If I'm doing that every year, I have to divide that by 12. That's a monthly number that I'm spending just on my headshots and, and marketing materials, right? How much am I spending shooting shorts or like I, I produced my own solo show? How much was that cost, right? Because we right. all know I certainly didn't make back what I spent producing that show. Um, because as I said earlier, we have the costs, not just of a regular life right? We also have to sustain our careers. So that's what I would say is the first step because then I have a number and that number makes me powerful because then I can look and say, oh, now that I have awareness about how much I'm spending at restaurants or in whatever category, maybe there are changes I want to make. Right. And so that leads us into the next step, because once right. we have all, okay, this is what I've been doing. Yes. Now I can start to make informed decisions upon what I will be doing going forward. Exactly. So I don't like the word budget. I think that budgeting is like dieting. It's all about what I can't have, right? And no matter how much willpower I have, I'm ultimately going to quit, right? I'm ultimately <laughs> going to binge on whatever it is. But I use the word forecast. So what I want is I want us all to create a monthly forecast, right? Which is how you, Patrick, are deciding to spend your money, 
on a monthly basis. And no one gets to tell you what that is. You can decide that you spend $100 a month on coffee if that is what you want to choose. At that point, then it becomes about supporting your choices. And sometimes what we think is not changeable, sometimes that will shift when we look at it really clearly. So there's one client I've never forgotten who when she started working with me, she said she was very clear that her apartment was non-negotiable, right? She had her own space. She loved her space. It was beautiful and peaceful and it was non-negotiable that that rent was staying. But when she did her numbers, she realized that she was um, under-earning or overspending, however we want to look at it, by about $500 a month. And for her, she was not willing, she realized she was not willing to work an additional job to make up that $500. And there was nothing else that she felt willing or able to cut And so she moved and she moved in with roommates and she wrote a really beautiful letter where she said she's given up her beautiful apartment because for her, she decided that she would rather focus on her beautiful career. Hmm. And so again, I feel like we all, it, it would have been just as valid for her to say, no, this apartment is what allows me the strength to continue this good fight. And so I'm willing to take an extra job to to stay in this apartment. But we will face choices in order to figure out how we sustain. Yeah, the a common theme that I, I hear you speaking of is that it doesn't seem like there's bad choices. There's just individual choices for each that are that are going to differ for each uh, each person, but also even for each different circumstance in our lives, different points in our lives, different things will matter. Absolutely. And so, what I believe, right, is that we have to collect the best knowledge that we can, right? That's about getting clarity about the situation in order to take the best action. But that's the best action for me or the best action for you or each person that's listening to this. My best action might be a horrible action for you. Yeah. So, all right. So we have that that first step of getting the baseline. We have that second step of now we can start to make choices based upon the knowledge that we have. What what would the, the next step as far as continuing this forecast month to month? So a big part of it, I believe, is tracking, right? So I believe that having a strong financial relationship, a healthy financial relationship means that we have awareness about that relationship at all times and what's happening in that relationship at all times. So what sometimes we'll do is we'll like listen to a podcast like this or we'll read a book and we'll get all inspired, right? And so then I'm like, okay, and I go out and I figure out my numbers, right? But then uh, that's it, right? And so then a month from now and six months from now and a year from now, what? I got to go figure out my numbers again, right? So what it is, is it's about establishing what you've been doing, establishing then what you intend to do moving forward, and then tracking in order to make sure that you're able to stay to what your plan is, Mm -hmm. right? So once I have forecasted how much I'm going to spend every month on groceries, once I've forecasted how much I'm going to spend every month building my acting career, my job is then to track those numbers to ensure that I'm actually staying to what I want. Because it allows me then to adjust as necessary, 
right? So let's say that I say to you, okay, you know, Patrick, I'm going to spend $500 a month on my acting career between my classes and whatever extra workshops I take and the short I want to produce and it's $500 a month. Okay. And I'm pretty clear on what makes up that $500 a month, right? And so now, a month from now, you come to me and you say, Miata, this director that you love, that you are like so right for all of the projects that he or she does, he or she is leading a workshop and there are, you know, 15 spots available, but it's a $1,200 workshop, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm totally clear that that $1,200 workshop was not a part of my $500 a month plan, which works out to be a $6,000 a year plan. I'm not sitting here saying, I'd be like, nope, I can't do that workshop. It's not in my plan, right? What I would need to do is I evaluate the opportunity. If in fact it is something that I say, yes, I didn't know about this before and I want to add it to my plan. In other words, so what am I going to do? Am I willing to cut in other places for the next six months to make up for that? Am I willing to um, take another extra little part-time job to cover that, like maybe a gig or something? But what am I going to do that isn't just cross my fingers and hope that it's going to work out? Yeah, yeah. So if you had any sort of traditional business, I want you to imagine for a second, any sort of traditional business, and you were looking for investors, right? And you came to us and you were like, hello, listeners, I'd I'd love for you to consider investing in my business. And we were all like, okay, you know, show us your business plan. And so we came in and we sat down with you and you showed us your business plan. And then we were like, wow, okay, so you want to raise X number of thousands of dollars. And we said, how do you intend to invest that money in the business, right? I want you to imagine that your answer to us was, well, I kind of like to see what happens. I like to, you know, I like to go with the flow. And, and as opportunities come, I just jump on them. Do you believe that any one of us is investing in your business? No, no. Not a chance, right? We know that. Not a chance. And yet... If you asked most of us as actors, Miata, how much money will you invest in your acting business in 2020? How many of us could answer that with a thought out plan? And it is a business, Mm -hmm. right? It's a business and it's a business that we want to have be successful. But if no one would bet on us, you're clear that if you ran your traditional business that way, none of us would bet on your business by investing in it. If no one else would bet on me, what would make me think that the business will be successful, right? So that's the next step. The next step is verifying what you say you're going to do and adjusting because yes, life is going to happen, but adjusting as need be based on what's actually happening. So maybe I believe that I'm going to be earning this much money from my work. Well, four months into the year, six months into the year, if that hasn't proven to be true, I have time to adjust. When I see the credit card numbers going up, that's when it's time to say, okay, this plan that I had, I now need to reevaluate and look at what else I'm willing to do to keep myself on track because that's what it's about. And it's interesting that you bring up credit cards because I think that that's a way that all of us actors, I mean, we've all used credit cards to get by at some point in our careers. And sometimes it's for a few weeks, sometimes for a few months, but, but ultimately that's just unsustainable. So that kind of brings up two questions for me. Number one, how can we avoid getting into debt? And then number two, if we're there, what are the steps we can do to get out of it? Okay. So first of all, I am not someone who necessarily believes, again, it's going to depend on where you are and what kind of actor you are in terms of, is it seasonal and 
contract-based or gigs here and there. I don't necessarily believe that we can avoid credit card debt, okay? Now, that may sound strange, but what I fundamentally mean is, let's say that I need, again, making up a number, $4,000 a month, right? So I need $4,000 a month to live. That's $48,000 a year, right? I, that $48,000 a year may very well not come in four thousand dollars four thousand dollars four thousand dollars four thousand dollars right right it's it's never that easy (laughs) right that's not the reality again of the careers we've chosen so i have to have a plan for the whole forty eight thousand but there may be as long as i have a plan for the whole forty eight thousand there may be three months in here, four months in here, where I'm only earning two, and I have to use the credit card to cover the additional two. But our plan, my plan then means that when I'm earning six, I have to continue to live on four, and I have to pay back the credit card. Mm. Does that make sense? Right? So what's interesting about us in, in this business is that we must actually manage our cash flow because our cash doesn't flow regularly, right? It's easy to manage my cash flow if my cash comes in every two weeks like clockwork. But since ours doesn't come that way, we will sometimes need to lean on credit cards. We will sometimes need to lean on savings. So I really work with our students to create a forecast for the year because then month to month may not work out exactly, you know, evenly, but you have the ability to make sure that overall you're on track. Okay. Right. So that's my answer to the first part, which is I basically fundamentally think a large percentage of us will use credit cards. The question though is, Am I fundamentally upside down year after year after year? Because if that's you, which it was me, right? So I was, I was earning on average $1,000 a month less than I needed, right? That's $12,000 a year. So that explains why six years in, I was close to $80,000 in debt right? It's not a mystery. It was essentially $12,000 a year. Now, it didn't show up a thousand, a thousand, a thousand. It showed up 500, 2,400, 300, right? Oh no, the car broke down, 3,000, right? That's how the, but, but fundamentally what we have to figure out is, are you upside down? Because if you are upside down, in order to continue as an actor, we have to fix that. We have to fix it. This isn't about preaching or calling you wrong or anything like that. Here's the truth. All those years ago, I was this close. And I know people can't see me, but I'm holding my fingers right together. (laughs) Just an inch away. Inch away. I was this close to having to quit move home with mom and dad and get a job, probably, you know, go back to school and get the law degree or whatever it was. So my question for everybody is, is this a choice you've made for the long haul? Because for me, I hope to die acting genuinely. I, I hope that it is what I do until I am no longer on this earth. And what that means is that I have to financially sustain for the long haul. If you're in it to give it a try for a few years, then whatever, right? You give it a try for a few years. But I think most of your listeners, we're in it because this is what we've chosen. And so, you know, it's about sustaining long term. 
it goes back to what you were saying. It's a it's it's a calling, and so this financial stability and relationship with money that you're talking about is really a means by which to support that calling. Right. And the most information, once we have those facts underneath us, then we can make these forecasts and and have these plans going forward. It, it's interesting as you talk about all this. It really does start to sound like a business, and the pros and cons of that uh, nine to five job that we talked about at the beginning of this episode, we really have to see ourselves as that. This is a nine to five day in, day out business that we have to continually sustain, yes, artistically, creatively, so that so that we're we're fulfilling that calling, but also day to day fulfilling in a in a very real, concrete financial way, so that we can go into the audition room easy, yeah. knowing that the finances are, are are taking control. We can get on stage, we can sing that song with, with freedom because the rest of our, our real life is good, is in control, and it's where it needs to be. Absolutely. I I, you, you you said it absolutely beautifully. And I go so far as to say, I think we have to stop looking at the two things as separate. In other words, my I have to do this financial stuff so that I can have my calling and my career. I really believe that the two are inextricably linked. So if we can recognize the same way when I read a play and I work on the material and I do scene work and I run lines or I'm learning accents or working on my dancing, whatever it is, that I am working on my craft in that piece, right? I believe I am also working on my art when I am figuring out my numbers. Because those things, they're connected in a way that you can't separate. And the the relationship to that is that when I am neglecting my numbers, I am neglecting my art. Because what I'm saying is I'm not willing to do all of it. I want the nice parts. I want all of this stuff, but I'm not willing to do all of it. And we don't get to only have some of it. Whatever our choice is, we have to choose choose all of it. That's a beautiful way to put it. Yeah, yeah, they, they really are linked together. So where can people find you and know more about you and get in touch with you if they want a, a more one-on-one session with you? So a few ways. So I'm, I'm actually not a big proponent of one-on-one, although I do them, obviously. But, but the reason for that is that I just don't feel that they're hugely cost-effective, right? For, for most of us as artists. And that's a big part of my commitment. So abundancebound.com, that's our company, Abundance Bound. And you can read and learn all about uh, the different things that we offer. Um, there's a lot of free resources. Um, and I also particularly want to point people to if they happen to be in New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, the Abundance Bound curriculum is taught at the Actors Fund, um, which is just an unbelievable resource. If you don't know about the Actors Fund and you're an actor, you should know about the Actors Fund. It's an unbelievable resource. Um, And so you can get an introduction to the Abundance Bound curriculum in all three of those cities. Chicago, I'm training them now. So Chicago will start, I would say, in 2020. Um, But New York and LA, uh, you can uh, take a a whole six-week course that will really help you create a strong foundation. Um, So between that and Abundance Bound, there are a lot of ways um, for no money at the Actors Fund and very low cost programs uh, at Abundance Bound that can support you on this journey. Well, it sounds like you have created uh, an avenue for a lot of us actors to really 
really dive into what what is a difficult subject for a lot of us, and that and that is our our finances. So so thank you for for sharing all that you've shared with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really love having these conversations. And go to that website abundancebound.com to learn more about Miata and how you can have more abundance. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Now, if you would like to learn more about your finances, Miata has graciously offered the WinMe community a chance to join her mastery level financial empowerment program at a discount. All you do is go to her website, enter the code WinMe, that's W-I-N-M-I, to get the discount. A link has been included in the show notes, so you can click that link and it will take you directly to that page. Again, thank you for joining me and Miata today. Don't miss a single episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, if you got something out of today, please share that with anyone who you think could benefit from the lessons we learned about finance today. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, reminding you that the reasons for not making it may be countless and frustrating, but the reasons to keep on going are even more numerous and rewarding. Let's get together again next week as we talk more about why I'll never make it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.